Blog Talk Radio. college football season. How you doing, everybody? You've definitely come to the right place. You're all hooked up with strong as steel as no one analyzes, breaks down, or assesses college football better than us. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined by the author and the preeminent analyst in college football. He, of course, of his Phil Steele college football preview. That would be one Phil Steele. Happy November, Phil. A lot to be decided this month, huh? i tell you what, this is a huge month. We're going to determine the Final Four. We're going to determine the Heisman. And everybody remembers what you do in November. So a big, big month. There's no question about that. You need to get on board with us. Here's what you do to lock in. Real simple. We'll get to every one of you. Nobody is going to assess more games than we do. 646-668-2248. One more time. 646-668-2248. We're going to get into the social media side of it. We're always looking for you on Twitter, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, 042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, our producer, the omnipresent, at Jim underscore Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. All right, Phil, let's get rolling. Last week at this time, we had nine undefeateds around the FBS. Baylor, West Virginia, Nebraska, and Boise State fall by the wayside. Western Michigan stays there with their MAC win last night. So we get our first college football playoff ranking. Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Texas A&M, one through four. Washington, Ohio State, Louisville, five, six, and seven. If I said to you that we should concentrate on those seven, Phil, because among that group we're going to get our final four, is that reality or could that still get skewed a little bit? You know, Michael, I think there are five teams out there that have a legitimate chance of cracking into it. One would be Wisconsin, as you and I discussed earlier. If Wisconsin wins out, wins the Big Ten, defeats in Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten title game, they've got a great chance of slipping in. Two te- or Three teams from the SEC, Auburn, Florida, LSU, each of them basically control their own destiny. And I think if any of the mm-hmm. three win out, that would include a win over Alabama. They'd be SEC champs, and I think they get in. And then the other team I'll throw out here with a slight chance of making it, Oklahoma. I know everybody has buried the Big 12 championship, but if there's any chaos here in the month of November, remember Oklahoma's, I've been predicting it for six weeks, is going to finish 10-2 and two and win the Big 12. And they'll have wins down the stretch 
over teams like Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. All three of those teams are in the current playoff rankings, so that would mm-hmm. help the resume as well. Now, one other thing I want to say. I've heard a lot of folks talking about these uh, ratings since they came out. I will say this. Washington and Ohio State both control their own destiny. If they win out, they're in. Yes, I know Washington's ranked behind Texas A&M, but once you add conference championship, uh, conference champ in front of their name, they will vault past A&M, as would in Ohio State. So keep that in mind. If you're a Washington or Ohio State fan, don't even worry about this early poll. If they win the conference championship, they'll be in. Sure, very valid. And, Phil, as you just pointed out, we've never had a two-loss team that's made the uh, the final four in the first two years of operation. Now, but as you suggest, though, Wisconsin, LSU, Oklahoma, these are teams that if they win that conference championship, could give it a go. So we've got to keep an eye on that for sure. All right, again, 646-668-2248. That's how you get on board with us. You ready to rock, Phil? Let's do it, huh? Let's, hit it. Let's get some phone calls in, Michael. We start out in the great state of Indiana. There's more action tonight after Western Michigan State undefeated by beating Ball State last night. Here's Jeff. Hey, Jeff, welcome to Strong as Steel. Hey, Michael. Glad to be on with you guys. And uh, it's my favorite time of the year with the, the midweek MAC games. Love it. So I want to talk yes, about the most, important, the most important sporting event happening in Ohio tonight, and that's Rockets versus Zips. And, fellas, <laughs> let me tell you, I have some action on this action. They're both coming off tough losses, and I think this is an important game if either team wants to stay in the hunt for a trip to Detroit later this year. Uh, Akron's 11th in the MAC in rushing yards defense, giving up 228 a game, and 10th in the MAC in pass efficiency defense. So I like the senior Kareem Hunt to run all over him and our boy Logan Woodside to get it done in the air. I'm taking Toledo by two touchdowns and maybe even sprinkle a little bit on that over 72. What the beak? What do you guys All think? Right. I pr- appreciate the call, Jeff. And uh, you know, after after last night, when you look at the uh, the the MAC West teams, both dominated their games last night. Uh, you would think Toledo in this one, but I, I'm going to go with your second opinion on this, which is the over. I think Akron, now that they have Woodson back at QB, their offense could be pretty potent. And uh, you know, you got a guy like JoJo Natson, Jerome Lane at the receiving core. I think they could do some damage against Toledo. It's a team that just gave up 31 points to a non-explosive Ohio. Ohio team. So I think Akron will score some points, but I do think, as you mentioned, Toledo's going to be able to run the football, they're going to be able to pass the football, and they'll be able to score some points. So my preferred one on this game is over the 72. I think we're going to see a lot of action in this matching game tonight, and should be a lot of fun. Appreciate the call, as always, Jeff. Hey, Phil, how about Jeff? He said it's the biggest sporting event in the state of Ohio tonight. you got to love that. About 35 Is there another one going on, Michael? The World Series will be played. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jeff interesting. Jeff is a big time Maction guy. By the <laughs> way, real quick, Phil. Last week, my Maction game was um, Ohio and Toledo, and although I did select Ohio to stay within the number, I did not have them outright. Quite a big win for Frank Solich and his Bobcats last week at the Glass Bowl. Big one. Yeah, big upset. Uh, two big upsets that night. Buffalo also upset Akron, so it was a lot of fun for the Maction. No doubt about it. Let's go to Oklahoma City, and uh, here's uh, our good friend and uh, a gentleman who is uh, always on board with Strong as Steel as we say hello to uh, Guy from Oklahoma City. Hey, Guy, welcome to the show. How you doing today? How you doing, gentlemen? <laughs> Phil, how you doing? Doing great. 
<laughs> this, uh, Phil, uh, I'm a diehard center. I'm in Crimson and Cream uh, since 78. Um, but here's my question. Uh, you know, outside of Oklahoma uh, with the two losses, what I mean, do I need to be afraid of any other teams maybe sneaking past them as far as getting into the college football playoff? Uh, you know, as, as mentioned earlier, I think all three of the teams that are ahead of them and from the SEC have a good chance of getting there. But from behind them, I'm going to say no. I think if Oklahoma gets there, nobody's going to jump them from behind, and they just need to have a little bit of chaos going. And there's going to be a lot of teams in front of them that do indeed lose, but uh, they need to have a little bit of chaos to get there because right now they're way on the outside looking in. Appreciate the call, Guy. Hey, Phil, uh, while we're at it, so Guy's a big-time Crimson and uh, a cream guy uh, with Oklahoma. What about their trip into Ames, Iowa? They're ranked number 12, the tangle with Iowa State, and that's uh, Friday night this week. Yeah, Friday night, and uh, they're laying about three touchdowns in this game. Now, Joe Mixon, their star running back, uh, just got suspended for the game. Of course, P. Ryan, I do not think will play. He's been injured. So the onus may fall on true freshman Abdul Adams, who's got 215 yards, 5.2. Last year, mm-hmm. I liked it when Oklahoma was running the football as well as passing it down the stretch, but they may wind up ending up a little bit more passing the football. D.D. Westbrook's the guy who's going to be getting some All-American mention at the end of the year, and, of course, that Baker Mayfield. And, you know, when you look at Iowa State, you've got a team that has a young offensive line coming into the year. They've struggled mm-hmm. running the football, as you would expect, but they still have Mike Warren back there. They did play Baylor tough, only lost by three at home. Last week, they were down 31-10 to to Kansas State. Got some two late scores and a late safety, which helped them uh, only lose that game by five, which was important to some out there. So I, I see Oklahoma winning, but more in the 17 range here. I don't see it as a blowout, especially down Mixon in that one. Yeah, first-year coach Matt Campbell making some strides with his Iowa State Cyclones. We roll on on Strong as Steel. Make sure you get on board, 646 646- Six six eight twenty two forty eight to get Phil Steele's assessment for this week's games. Uh, let's go to New York City. We say hi to Justin. Justin's got some uh, Notre Dame and Navy thoughts on his mind. Hey, Justin. Hey, how we doing? First, I just want to start off saying I'm a Steele's weekly preview subscriber. An awesome picks last week, Phil. They're looking good. Thank you very much, Justin. Appreciate it. Nine and one the last two weeks. Yeah. And now this was Navy Notre Dame. This game interests me. The spread was almost about a touchdown for plus plus seven for Navy. I was wondering how you feel about it. Well, you know, I watched the appreciate the call by the way on the comments, Justin. And uh, watching the South Florida Navy game last week, and you look at the athletes that South Florida has at the quarterback position, the running back position, and the receivers. Navy was just out athleted in that game. Got way down against South Florida. Uh, 42-14 to 14 at the half, fortunate to get a couple of late touchdowns. And then if you backed Navy last week, you were not happy that half, touchdown happened with 0-0 left on the clock and they didn't kick the extra point because it turned out to be 7 and the line was 6.5. So it was a, an interesting game in that respect. But I think Notre Dame's got the same type of offensive weapons. When you look at a Kaiser, an Equinomis St. Brown, Josh Adams, they've got the players that can go ahead and do some damage against that Navy defense. And keep in mind, last year Navy took on a pair, or Notre Dame took on a pair of option teams. Uh, the Georgia Tech, they pulled the upset at home. And then Navy, they, they've controlled them as well in a nice 17-point win. This week, the defense has clearly been focusing on the option. Now, they had an open week two weeks ago to help them, but they've got Navy this week, 
Army next week. So they're in option mode, and they get back one of their key defensive linemen, who I think has 23 tackles against the option last year. He had a concussion thing last week, but he should be okay this week. Uh, so add it all up, I think Notre Dame's defense does a decent enough job against Navy, and I think their offensive weapons score in this one. I like the Irish minus the 6.5 there. Appreciate the call, Justin. Just a good stuff there. Hey, Phil, got to ask you, you know, we mentioned the Louisville Cards already. Took a late rally from uh, Lamar Jackson for them to get over the top and get that victory in Charlottesville at Virginia. Boston College this week, do they get back in a better flow with uh, both sides of the football this week? Yeah, you know, the last time they squeaked by an opponent was Duke. Remember in that game they needed them yeah. to get a uh, roughing the kicker penalty to give them a first down and win by 10. They were only up by three. Then they steamrolled NC State 54-13 the next week. So now off another close call. You wonder if that steamroll will be out there. And keep in mind, Boston College has two big losses this year. Despite their outstanding defense, they lost to Virginia Tech 49 to nothing. They lost to Clemson 56 to 10. But what happens this time of year, Michael? A lot of the teams that are up there and mentioned for the playoffs, those kids get a little mm-hmm. distracted during the week. They're talking about where we rank, what happens, what if we do this, what if we do that. It's almost good to play against the teams that are in the top of the playoff rankings because everybody's thinking they're playing with a lot of motivation and need to win and win big. And BC does have a pretty good defense, and they finally got the offense going last week. Against NC State, they had 386 yards. Uh, and with uh, you know Hillman running the football, I think they're getting to be an adequate team. The numbers up there are pretty high at 24 and a half. I like Louisville to win the game, but I'll say by 21. So I'm going to give a slight edge to the home dog BC in that one. All right, we'll see how the Eagles fare. Phil, did you not mention to me too, as before we started the show today, that in the first two years in Week One of the college football playoff rankings coming out, the undefeateds following that in their first game following being ranked struggled and uh, had problems. Yeah, last year I went through and did the research, and uh, in the first year of the rankings, the teams that ranked in the top five of the playoff rankings went a perfect mm-hmm. 0-5 against the spread this week. In fact, wow. in the four weeks of the rankings and during the regular season before the championship games, if you just played against the teams that were in the top five of the playoff rankings, you would have gone 14-5 and last year. So uh, very rare do these teams actually cover because they're playing an inflated spread. Everybody is out there wanting to play them. And they're playing with a lot of pressure. And, of course, their opponents – now they got that big target on their back, so the opponents are really going for them. They add it all up, 14-5 and five just playing against top five playoff teams this time of the year. You don't get these type of assessments and evaluations anywhere else. We're so glad you're locked in on Strong as Steel as we approach the first big college football weekend in the month of November. Again, 646-668-2248. Let's go to the uh, the city of Chicago, which has got a little something going on today. The one, though, everybody's talking about, LSU and number one Alabama. Hello, Jay. That's on your mind, we know. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I want to touch on the uh, LSU-Alabama uh, game. Uh, big game this weekend uh, down there for the Tigers. Um, you know, this isn't the same LSU team we saw at the begin- beginning of the year. Uh, Coach Edo's got the guys rolling. You know, Leonard's running wild. And this is an interesting spread to me. I figured Alabama would be favored uh, by a lot more. I think the public will be backing Alabama hard. And uh, I don't think Vegas is going to be giving out free money this week. And I like to see the uh, Tigers cover this game possibly win and I like to see Ed O put uh, Saban in a, a mental pretzel on the coaching on the sidelines there so I like to see uh, LSU win this game and cover 
I appreciate it, Jay. I don't think any coach out Did there he say a Nick... mental pretzel? Yeah, I don't think any coach is going to uh, do that to Nick Saban because he's a, he's the best out there. But I tell you what, Jay, I do agree with you that uh, LSU plus the points is pretty attractive here. And I'll give you the reasons why. You know, you look at this game off the bat, and, and I've heard a lot of people opine that, hey, Alabama has beaten them four straight times. They own LSU. They dominate LSU. Uh, But I look at the fact that uh, LSU plays this game pretty tough at Death Valley. In fact, two years ago, I had Alabama minus six and a half in that game, and I was very fortunate to escape with the win. Remember, they trailed by three, needed a field goal in the final seconds to force overtime, were fortuitous enough to get the ball out first in overtime because if they got the ball out second and scored a touchdown, you don't kick the extra point. They scored the touchdown, stopped LSU, and won the game by seven, laying six and a half. I was lucky. And then the, the previous time they traveled here, they only won by four. The previous time, they got upset. So LSU always plays this game tough in Death Valley. And I know the big number everybody's thrown out is uh, they shut down Leonard Fournette last year, and he had barely any rushing yards at all. But two years ago when Alabama traveled here, uh, Fournette did have some success. He ran the ball uh, 21 times, had 71 yards. That's almost four yards a carry. Not bad against an Alabama defense. And I think if you ask most NFL scouts who the top three teams in the country are talent-wise, they'd say Alabama, Ohio State, and LSU. LSU's finally playing to their talent level under Coach Orgeron and doing a good job. So overall, their defense, extremely tough. Hasn't given up over 21 in any game all year. While Alabama's defense is holding opponents to 177 yards below their season average, that's the best mark in the country. LSU's not too far behind holding their opponents 174 yards below their season average, third best in the country. I like LSU to keep this one tough, potentially even pull the upset, and I'm definitely taking the underdog here. Appreciate the call, Jay. That's, is that you, Phil, or is that the computer or a combination of both? combination of both I've, I've watched these Alabama LSU games in Death Valley and like I said the last yeah. time they traveled to Death Valley I had Alabama minus six and a half and sweating bullets at the end of the game lucky fortunate to come out of there with that win and now they're laying well, seven and a half yeah, that's right. If our buddy, as Jay called him, Eddie O, if Eddie O uh, sets Baton Rouge on, on their ear and he comes out with a win over Bama, he can pretty much uh, write his own numbers into that new contract he'll get, don't you think? I think LSU would have to continue to win down the stretch. I don't think they'd be allowed to uh, still lose to a Florida and a Texas A&M and miss out on the SEC title game. There you go. All right, let's uh, swing uh, right back into Chicago as uh, we think about the Mountain West. Boise State, as I mentioned, uh, Wyoming got them. Knocked from the ranks of the unbeaten. Here's Patrick in Chicago with some thoughts. Hi, Patrick. Reggae, Mr. Steele, I would like to thank you for the collapse. I'd like to thank you for the colossal week yet again. Nine and one the past two weeks is uh, really generous of you guys, and I want to say thank you for that. Appreciate it, Patrick. Uh, my question goes out to Boise. Uh, I'm owing three on those guys this year. They didn't come through for Oregon State. They didn't come through for BYU, and they didn't come through last week versus Wyoming in that raucous environment. Uh, however, San Jose State comes to play this week, and I saw those guys play San Diego State, and they looked absolutely miserable. They were down 42-3 at the end of the third quarter, and I think Boise rolls. Uh, they're giving away 29, and if I were to make the spread, I'd say 40. I wanted to hear your thoughts, Phil. All right, appreciate it, Patrick. And, uh, you know, if I was making the number on the game, 
He did. And, you know, if I was making wow. a number, Michael, I, I probably would have put it closer to 35, just figuring there's a lot of people okay. that would like to play Boise off a loss. Now, here's the things I'm going to caution you with here, Patrick. Boise has actually not covered their last five games as a home favorite. I think a lot of folks out there think it's an automatic. For years, Boise State was an automatic on the blue turf to cover the spread. But what's happened is Vegas has started to overcompensate that, and they have dropped five in a row as a home favorite. The second negative factor for Boise is the bubble burst factor, and we've seen it a lot of times. Uh, like Louisville two weeks ago after they had lost to Clemson, basically lost their chance of winning the ACC by losing that game. They struggled to even get past their next opponent. Now, Boise, I think, has just lost its chance of making the uh, the Group of Five championship, the, group, the, uh, the New Year's Day bid for the Group of Five. They're now behind Western mm-hmm. Michigan and uh, maybe behind another team or two by the end of it. But So that really hurts their chances there as well. There may be a little bit of a hangover. San Jose finally played a good game offensively last week. Uh, Kenny Potter got him going a little bit. They put up 424 yards, but granted, that was against UNLV at home. And like you said, the San Diego State game was 42-3 after three quarters. That's the way it finished. So I would I would lean with Boise over, but it sure wouldn't be one of my top plays of the week just for the bubble verse factor and the fact they've been paying an extra price at home. Appreciate the call and the comments about the 9-1 and inside the press box, Patrick. Absolutely, Patrick. Good stuff from you out of Chicago again on Twitter now. We're going to be checking with our producer, Jim Nabosna, coming up real soon. If you want to do it that way, easy. We know a lot of you can't call, but that doesn't mean you're shut out. Social media can do it here on Strong is Steel on Twitter, at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regi, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim underscore Nabosna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Let's go to the ACC, Phil. Virginia Tech, this football team seems to be resurgent. They got to go this week and uh, uh, see my man David Clutcliffe and his Blue Devils of Duke. What's your assessment on it? How do you feel about it? You know, I'll go back to a few weeks ago when we talked about the Louisville game, and my buddy Michael here said, hey, you know, I was torn. I said, I can't really make a decision. And Michael said, I like Duke plus the points. And that thing was 17-14, or, yeah, 17-14 late. And then they roughed the kicker when they could have got the ball back, although it was a questionable roughing the kicker call. And uh, they took down a touchdown to win by 10. Now, with Virginia Tech, I go back to the last time they were in a situation like this. They're just coming off that big win over Pitt. And they've got mm-hmm. Georgia Tech in the option on deck. And uh, last time they were coming off a big win, it was North Carolina, and then they went into Syracuse and got upset. So I think those factors would lead you towards Duke. I personally had the number on this one, uh, Virginia Tech, about a 10-point favorite, figuring I would stop there. The number's actually 11, so they're getting a little bit more. So I lean with Duke here. Is this a game, Michael, that did Duke plus 11? You're still very strong on Duke? Oh, yeah. Come on, you know I'm not going to jump off that. You laid it out <laughs> as to why they were at home. Listen, you know, you and I always say when we're admirers of of coaches and their accomplishments and how they prepare their programs. And to me, David Cutcliffe's one of them, Phil. I mean, you know, this was this was Peyton Manning's quarterback coach, right? Back for Philip Fulmer back in the day at Tennessee. I like Cutcliffe, and I, I think he keeps it within the number, just like he did against Louisville. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, let's stay in the ACC, Phil. Speaking of coaches that have gotten their teams to rise up a little bit, we saw what Dino Babers did a couple of weeks ago with his Syracuse squad with a big win. Now nah, they got to go in and see that uh, well, that two-ranked college football playoff, three-ranked this week uh, otherwise, the, the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney. Now, Cle- 
Listen, Clemson likes to play tight ones, don't they, Phil? They find a way to stay undefeated, albeit in a lot of close calls. Yeah, and, you know, this time of year for Clemson, they don't need to win their games big. They just need to win. If there's a zero in the loss column for Clemson at the end of the year and they win all the rest of their games by one point, guess what? They're in the playoffs. No way can you keep out an ACC champ that's undefeated at the end of the year. So they do not need style points. What they do need is to stay healthy throughout the thing. And maybe that goes back to what we were talking about before. Teams in the top five of the playoff rankings going 5-14 and 14 against the spread. Now, Syracuse has a couple other factors in their favor in this game. The first one is going to be the fact that Clemson's off a huge win on the road against Florida State. That was it. That was the game that would get them the ACC title because now they'll be big favorite in all the rest of their games. The second, Syracuse comes in fresh off a bye. Now, they already proved in a good situation they can do some good things. They knocked off Virginia Tech at home a couple of weeks ago, and so they're a team that's got the offense under Dino Babers. They're now nine games into that offense, so they're going to continue to get better on a weekly basis. And the number on this game, rather high. It's up there at 27 right now. I could I call for Clemson to win the game, but I'm taking the four touchdowns with this Syracuse club here. Uh, I think that's a nice play this weekend. Dino Babers will uh, feel good about that, although he's not about moral victories. He wants to win, and oh, we'll see if he's got a shot to do that. huh? One other note I forgot to mention on that. But yeah. A lot of Clemson's wins this year, six over Auburn, six over Troy, 19 over Georgia Tech, four over Louisville, three or seven over NC State, three over Florida State. They don't have very many wins by uh, four touchdowns this year. No, they sure don't. 646-668-2248. No one does it better than us. That's why we know you're locked in with Strong as Steel. We cover them all from the Power Five to the Group of Five. Let's go Big Ten style here as we go to New York and welcome Mark into the show. Mark, you're on Strong as Steel. Good to have you. Go right ahead. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Just want to bring up some uh, Indiana Hoosier action against this uh, Rutgers team that seems to be struggling worse than anybody. You know, I look at uh, Indiana, I just feel like, you know, last week they introduced that Wildcat formation against Maryland, and it seems like Maryland is having a lot of trouble with it. And Rutgers, we all know of their troubles, especially on the ground. You know, Michigan ran all over them, being that is, even though that is Michigan. I just think uh, Indiana, you know, they can throw the ball out there. Their defense is playing much better. And uh, I just been wondering what your thoughts are about the Hoosiers against uh, Rutgers. Thank you. All right, Phil. I appreciate the call, Mark. And uh, and this looks to be a good matchup game if for exactly what you just touched on here. Now I will say this: if you look at Rutgers since that seventy-eight to nothing loss to Michigan, where everybody threw Rutgers in the trash can, while they did not cover against Illinois, they did actually have a three hundred and eighty-five to three twenty-yard edge. And last week against Minnesota or in their last game against Minnesota, they were only outgained by 27 yards, only lost by two. So, you know, a lot of times people see that 78 nothing and then the 58 nothing the week prior against Ohio State, and they overreact to it. Rutgers really should be 2-0 against the spread since then, so you're paying an extra price with Indiana here. But the matchup you touched on there, Mark, is the one I'm going to touch upon. With Xander Diamont running the Wildcat, they had three guys top 100 yards rushing last week. Rutgers defense in the Big Ten, catch this number out, their rush defense, 
is allowing 311 yards per game mm. and 6.4 yards per carry. <laughs> so if you're gaining 6.4 yards every time you run the football, you'd be dumb to pass it because you're getting a first down every two carries. Uh, and I think when you look at it this way, I see Indiana running the football on them. Rutgers only hitting 45% of their passes, so it's going to be tough for them to play catch-up. Caution with the fact that they've played well in their last two games, but with that matchup, I do like Indiana. I'll lay the two touchdowns there. Appreciate the call, Mark. 6.4 carry, Phil. I'd make it even money that you as a running back would average <laughs> better than five a carry against that Rutgers D. You, I appreciate you that, Michael. In you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I'm ready to go. Go get my shoulder pads right now. Well, just so all of you know, Phil always has his ankles taped and he's padded up when we do strong as steel. So if that means anything to you, <laughs> you know Phil thinks he's got a few snaps left in him. All right, let's keep this roll going. Uh, we got one going on. Uh, it, it was Cincinnati uh, from the, the American and BYU. Interesting matchup Friday night. Uh, here's Raymond in Massachusetts on strong as steel. Hello, Raymond. Welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. I uh, came yes, into sir. the season expecting Cincinnati to have a pretty decent year. So far, a bit disappointed. Wanted to see what you thought about them as a home dog this week to BYU off of a bye. Thanks. All right, appreciate the call, Raymond. Well, you know, when you look at the situation here, the situation favors BYU. They're off a bye. Cincinnati's in an American sandwich game. They're off that game against Temple last week. They've got UCF on deck, and, of course, conference games are all important. But also when you look at Cincy, though, they're 4-4. Four and four. Frankly, I expected them to have a better record at this point in the season. And uh, so it's almost a must-win if you're going to make it to, to a bowl. They've got to play UCF on the road, Tulsa on the road. So I think they will give good effort. Uh, now, I'm very impressed with BYU. They played a killer schedule so far this year. In fact, you could argue this might be their weakest opponent of the season. I'm talking about Utah, UCLA, West Virginia, Toledo, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Boise State. And they play all their games tough and close. I think Jamal Williams will be able to run the ball on a Cincinnati defense that's been struggling to stop the run. The last two games, they've given up 221 and 275 yards rushing. Taysom Hill will have some success. But it depends which Gunnar Keel shows up. Two weeks ago against East Carolina, Gunnar Keel was given the quarterback job, and he threw for 348 yards, and since he blew out East Carolina. Last week against Temple, it was back to the same old Gunnar Keel that happens sometimes, which is turnover-prone and only 119 yards passing. But if you follow Keel's career, he usually has three good games to one bad game. He just has those one inconsistent. So I'm going to call for Gunnar Keel to be on. I'm going to call for this one to be close, as all BYU games are. Come right down to the stretch. I'm taking the Bearcats. They're getting over a touchdown in this game, so I do like the home dog here. Appreciate the call, Raymond. I like the way you laid that out on Gunnar Keel, Phil. That's what you're not going to get anywhere else. because He, he has been star-crossed. There's no question about that. A young man that, well, he's been a part of, what, three football programs during his <laughs> career before finally settling at Cincinnati. 646-668-2248. That's how we do it. Uh, you on social media, on Twitter, that's coming up in just a moment. We know a lot of you are lined up there, but in the meantime, Let's uh, get into the SEC. We head to Knoxville, Tennessee, and say hi to, to Jersey on Strongest Steel. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, how you doing, Phil and, and Mike? I was just um, – I'm a Kentucky fan. I know I live in Knoxville, but I'm a Kentucky fan. And my um, cats turned it around here, um, here late in the season, which is the opposite of the last two seasons. And we got Georgia coming into town, and I wanted to see what you think about that game. 
All right, Jersey, and you're going to love my computer's assessment on the game. You might not like my assessment on the game. Uh, now, <laughs> first of all, here I'll, we go. I'll say, yeah, I'll say this. With, with Kentucky, they ran for 377 yards last week. That's the most in an SEC game since 1953. Now, I wasn't watching wow. the game in 53, so I'm not even sure who that was against, but it's been quite some time. But uh, as, as you touched on, they're running the football well. Stanley Williams and uh, Snell at the running back spot have been doing great, and really one of the big changes has been since Steven Johnson came in at quarterback. He's not a dynamic passer, but he's putting up some decent yards, and uh, the defense playing better as well. In fact, uh, if you look at their last uh, five games, Kentucky has held their opponent below their season average on defense after opening up a little woeful on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Georgia, they couldn't do anything last week. Of course, Florida's got one of the best defenses in the country, but come on, 1.1 yard per carry and 143 yards mm-hmm. passing, a feeble performance for Georgia in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But this is the same Georgia team that two weeks ago against Vanderbilt had a 421 to 171 yard edge, but somehow lost. I think it's a must-win situation for Georgia. I think Kentucky playing with a little bit of pressure. Now, my computer calls for Kentucky to win the game by three, but I'm actually picking mm. Georgia to win the game by three. And Jersey, I'm sure you're going with the Wildcats, and they're going to have a big home crowd. I think that whole place is going to be blue when you get there, so it should be a fun game to watch. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, you're right, Phil. Jersey's going with his guys, uh, though. I'm, I'm with you, though. Uh, yeah, Kirby's smart. Got to find a way. Yeah, there's already some some mumblings going on down in Athens, so we'll see if that becomes reality. Phil, let's swing over to the Big 12 real quick before we take a look at Twitter. Uh, you know, you and I, Dana Holgerson, we were pumping up that West Virginia Mountaineer squad, and then they got smacked in the mouth and took it on the chin last week in Stillwater. They got a gimme this week. They're back home, Phil, in Morgantown, and here comes Kansas in. That's like everybody's homecoming game, isn't it? Yeah, especially the way Kansas plays on the road. Now, Kansas plays much better at home. Two weeks ago at home, they nearly upset Oklahoma State. They almost upset – I mean, they they ended up losing by 24, but two turnovers set up two short Oklahoma State touchdowns. They played a lot better than the final score. Only got outgained by 30 yards. TCU, TCU is fortunate to escape that game with a one-point win. But on the road – They've lost to Memphis by 36, Texas Tech by 36, Florida or Baylor by 43, and Oklahoma by 53. So they tend to get blown out. And, you know, last week turnovers are really the key for that West Virginia game. They had a 27-17 first down edge, a 421-358 yard edge. It's tough to overcome minus three in turnovers, which they were for the game, and they, they couldn't get it done. Skylar Howard, known to be an inconsistent QB, was a little inconsistent again last week in just 24-39 passes. I think this is a game West Virginia wins at home, but the number's right where I thought it should be. I, you know, I, I had West Virginia about a 35-point favorite. They're 34-and-a-half, so I think this one's going to finish up right around the number. But uh, if I had to pick them at 34-and-a-half, I'd go with West Virginia. Yep, I'm with you. I like it. Uh, kind of name what you want to name, Dana Holgerson, this week. All right, we're about, uh, about at halftime, and we hope uh, the winning and the type of edge that you need is uh, going in the direction you like here on Strong as Steel. Keep them coming, 646-668-2248. We're going to call in our producer, Jim Nabosna, right here. Because as we tell you each and every week, we know a lot of you can't call the show as we do it live here. However... Your opportunity to uh, get Phil's assessment and social media on Twitter at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, at Jim underscore Nabosna. Hey, Jim, how you doing today? And uh, who's blowing up Twitter for us to talk to Phil? 
Oh, I am doing great today. And our first question is about the Big Ten. Jake Dubs would like to know, with Penn State ranked number 12, do you think they are feeling themselves and lay an egg versus Iowa this weekend at home? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to lay an egg in this particular matchup, but uh, I think Iowa's in a pretty good situation. Generally, when you get a team that hasn't been ranked and hasn't been talked about, and all of a sudden starts getting that publicity, it changes them a little bit. I'm going to go back to their last home game. You know, they beat Ohio State 24-21, but it was basically two offensive drives. And other than that, they really didn't do much on offense. Only 276 yards, 13 first downs. And while Iowa's been a massively disappointing team this year to lose three games like they have, they still have a pretty good defense this year, and I think they'll be able to slow Penn State down. Offensively, you know, first of all, defensively, Penn State, since they got their linebackers back, have been playing a lot better. Didn't play great in the first half against Purdue, gave up 222 yards, but shut them down in the second half, rolled to that 38-point win. But I think Iowa could do some damage. They're coming in off a bye. Uh, I thought they played a good game against Wisconsin. They played a tight game against Northwestern, and losing to North Dakota State is no shame. So the three teams they've lost to have all been close losses, and they've all been games they played well in. Penn State is laying over a touchdown because of their ranking and because Iowa's got three losses. I like underdog Iowa to keep this one close, potentially uh, pull the upset. Should be a very good game decided by a field goal. So I'm going to take the dog and appreciate the tweet there, Jake. Bob D., he says he loves games that where both teams feature the option. What's your outlook on the Air Force versus Army game with the Commander-in-Chief trophy on the line for Air Force? Yeah, if Air Force wins since they beat Navy earlier in the year, they win the Commander-in-Chief trophy. If they lose, then it's back up in the grabs, and uh, potentially an Army could get there if they knock off Navy uh, later in the year. Now, the thing I like when the two option offenses face each other is probably what you're thinking, Bob which is you tend to go with the under because what happens is normally the edge that an option offense has is that the teams don't prepare for it. They, they don't see it. It's tough to prepare for on one week, and players don't like cut blocks. There's a lot of things about the option that you don't like. But Air Force and Army's defenses see this every single day in practice. They're not worried about it. They know when the quarterback goes out what the odds are of him pitching and keeping, giving to the fullback. All that's in there, and the defenses know it well, so they tend to be lower-scoring games. Let's look at last year's game. Air Force 20, Army 3. Go back and look at this year, a couple other games. You know, Army and Navy, traditionally a low-scoring ball game, uh, and Navy earlier this year was a 28-14. to 14. So my best bet anytime the service academies together is always to take the under. And plus, when you run the football like they do, that clock keeps running. Whole game long, clock's running. Usually it's one of those two-hour and 30-minute games. So appreciate the question there, Bob, and hope that one answered for you. They fell real quick with Notre Dame and Navy, of course, still to come for Army, and Morgan State sandwiched in between. Do you see Jeff Monken's squad grabbing a bowl berth this year? Yeah, and you're always excited if you can get a service academy team. Last year we had some five-win teams get in. The fact right. they play Morgan State should get it, and I think this might just be the year they've got a shot at Navy. I mean, how many times these last couple of years, Michael, have they been within inches of beating Navy? Right there. And this is this should have won last year, I thought. Yeah, yeah. and the, the Steelman fumbled a couple of years ago when they were driving for yep. the winning score. They've had a lot of games like that. Could be the breakthrough game, but I think if they're six and six, even with losses to Air Force, Notre Dame, and Navy, but get mm -hmm. past Morgan State, I'm gobbling up Army because they're going to bring the crowd. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Should be uh, very intriguing to watch. Hey, Jimmy, keep rolling. What else do you have for us on Twitter? Roll us out a couple, two or three more for Phil. Mark Major would like to know your thoughts on Texas A&M versus Mississippi State. 14 points seems really low based on the amount of points scored on Mississippi State this year. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, that's my that was my first reaction when I saw the number because you just think of A&M and you think automatically – uh, how Mississippi State played against Auburn, where they lost by 24, were down 35 nothing at the half, and you think Mississippi State has no chance in this game. But upon closer inspection, I mean, they went into LSU this year. LSU, granted, was under less miles, but only lost that game by three. The BYU game probably should have won. Uh, ended up losing it in overtime by a touchdown. The Kentucky game, they could easily have won. Kentucky got a field goal on the last play of the game to beat them. And this is a desperate Mississippi State team at home. You're going to get their absolute best shot at 3-5. and five. They know with Alabama on deck, if they lose this game, they're basically not going to a bowl this year. So this is a huge, massive game for Mississippi State. And I think with Texas A&M, the problem they're going to have is now they've, they've got everybody in the world talking about Texas A&M. They are number four in the playoff ratings. And that's all the conversation is going to be about with Texas A&M. And they know they, they've got a shot at the playoffs, and they might play a little tight. Remember that stat I threw out before? Last year, first mm-hmm. week of the playoffs, the teams that were in there were 0-5 against the spread. So even though the number appeared cheap when I first looked at it, now the number appears a little pricey at the 14. I'm going to take Mississippi State plus the points. I do think A&M wins, but I think Mississippi State will give them a great game. Appreciate the tweet there, Mark. Jeremy Peterman, he says he's having a hard time picking the Memphis versus SMU game. Normally he would pick Memphis, but SMU has been on a tear lately. Who do you think wins outright or against the spread? Yeah, SMU's last two games have been impressive, and uh, you know it shows you what a young program can do. Uh, once they get rolling, I thought they completely controlled the Houston game two weeks ago. Now, maybe Houston was looking past them. Last week in the second half, they were down two scores to Tulane but rallied for the win. So I do, I can make a good case for SMU here, uh, giving it a shot. You know, you look at their quarterback, Ben Hicks. Earlier in the year, he had a negative ratio. He's got that up to 11 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So he's starting to play a better ball. With Memphis, I've been – nonplussed with what I've seen out of Memphis as of late. In fact, after they opened up the season, remember what I said earlier about big games? They beat Bowling Green 77-3, to and a lot of folks are like, wow, i got to play Memphis every week, 77-3. to They have not covered against the spread since then. They have dropped five in a row against the spread, and it just shows that they've been paying overpriced. But that price is caught up now. Because Memphis has dropped five in a row against the spread, because SMU's off two uh, losses, or two wins, I should say, Memphis only laying three here. When uh, If you would have played this game four weeks ago, Memphis would have been probably laying ten points. So the spread has adapted. They're only laying three. And I just think this is a Memphis team that's a little more talented, goes on the road and gets the win here. I'm taking Memphis minus three in that one. Appreciate it, Jeremy. And at Mountain Miles, he wants to know, Troy is 6-1 and one and only lost to Clemson by 6. Is there any chance at all that they don't beat the minus 21 spread versus 7-loss UMass? Yeah, there's there's no such thing as a sure thing. I've been doing this since 1982, and uh, I have watched a lot of stuff happen on TV. Where you're, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. So, yeah, there's a ton of chances that Massachusetts does it, but... 
with that said, I do like trying this game because, you know, it's a UMass team that isn't independent this year. They're coming into the season, uh, and they're, it's tough to get your team motivated down the stretch. Now, they have been playing a lot better out of the quarterback spot since Andrew Ford took over. Ford's the, the transfer from Virginia Tech. He took over in week three. He's in 61% of his passes. He got 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Last week, he threw for 364 yards, albeit it was against Wagner, but at least they picked up a win, and they're still playing there at UMass, but I just love the job Neil Brown's doing at Troy. There's, this team's been pretty much yeah. dominant most of the year. They've had a couple games where they haven't covered the large number, but uh, Brandon Silvers is a guy that's lighting it up at QB. They've got Jordan Chun, a guy that will be at over 1,000 yards in a couple of weeks, a good receiving core, and their defense holding opponents to seven yards per game below their season average. I think Troy's an underrated team at this point in the season, and I do see them winning this one by over the three touchdowns. Appreciate it, Mount Mike. How about one more from you, Jimmy, uh, from social media on Twitter? No problem. We have one from Kevin Kaufman about the Pac-12. He wants to know if Colorado can beat UCLA by two TDs this weekend. Well, Colorado is the only team in the country that is undefeated against the spread this year. And so uh, if you've been playing Colorado... I will yeah. say keep riding that streak because when you play on a streak, you can win many times and you lose only once. UCLA is also going to be without Josh Rosen, the quarterback, and they've, they've been struggling this year. They have actually have five losses. I don't think anybody would have projected five losses for UCLA at this point. But I haven't been riding Colorado, so I'm willing to jump off that train and go with UCLA plus the points here because they're a proud team. The defense is playing well. They're only they're holding opponents to 53 yards per game below their season average. And while Mike Fawful was in over his head, maybe in his first couple of games he played, uh, he got better. He threw he threw the ball 71 times against Utah uh, for 464 yards. Now, naturally, he made some mistakes, but here's the thing about UCLA's losses this year. Seven points to Texas A&M. That's not a bad loss. Stanford, they are winning with about 30 seconds to go. They end up losing by nine, but probably should have won that game, and the fumble return for a touchdown is why they lost by nine. Arizona State on the road, they outgained them by 168 yards, only lost by three. Washington State with Fawful making his first road start, only lost by six. And then even last week against Utah at home, only lost by seven. That's a pretty good Utah team. So the biggest loss all season has been nine, which was the Stanford game with that fumble return at the end. They've been playing everybody close. I'm going to take UCLA plus the two touchdowns in that one. Appreciate it. That's a good one. Hey, you know what else uh, could be good ones? Uh, you know, it's uh, we do maxion here on the strongest still, Phil, right? So I'm going to jump in with uh, an assessment of uh, a Friday night Mac game, of course, that, uh, you know, may fly under the radar to some of you, but I'm going to tell you why you got to take a look at this one. Phil, I'm going to look at Central Michigan, who was a Mac West favorite, as we know, and got off to a strong start against Chuck Martin's Miami Red Hawks, who are in a rebuilding, reloading situation. Now, Central Michigan has lost back-to-back to Toledo and at home to Kent State, which surprised a little bit of us. Uh, 3-6 and six Miami. They started out 0-6 with four of the losses by a touchdown or less. Phil, you know they've won three straight football games now. Have the Miami Red Hawks as uh, they started it with a – a, a win over Bowling Green, and uh, rather Kent State, and then Bowling Green, and then Eastern Michigan. So they won three straight, feeling pretty good about themselves. If they can run the table with games uh, coming up uh, against Central Michigan at home at Buffalo and Ball State, they finish at 6-6 six and six out of six-game win streak. 
But first things first, it's Central Michigan coming up. And, Phil, I know you've noticed and your computer has noticed, too, that the chips are reeling right now. And, you know, John Bonamigo, we love him. The head football coach of his second year, done a terrific job in Mount Pleasant replacing Dan Enos. But Cooper Rush, who's so highly thought of by uh, the, uh, the NFL uh, scouts as far as uh, him getting in a pro system as a quarterback, size, arm, he struggled in these last couple of weeks. He's down to 58% in his passing accuracy. He was around mid-60s most of the year. Thrown some picks lately. Touchdown-interception ratio up to 21 uh, to 11 now. Solid receivers still, and Corey Willis and Tyler Conklin. Uh, Devon Spaulding runs the football, but they've had some defensive issues. They're now allowing 28 points a game. So now they're going to Miami, and Chuck Martin told me, as I called the uh, the uh, Miami loss to Akron three weeks ago, that they're going to win some football games. They went to 0-6 that day, and here they are. They beat Kent State at home, and then true road wins at Bowling Green and Eastern Michigan. Phil, they've averaged 40 points, or they excuse me, they scored 40 points total in the three losses. They've put 86 points per game on the board in these last three wins. 28 per game Why They got Gus Ragland back. He's their sophomore quarterback, hitting 60% of his throws, six TDs without a pick. James Gardner, a big electrifying wideout, has turned into a playmaker. Phil, you ready for this? I'm ready. surprise you. I, I wanted to see if Phil was still listening. I thought maybe he went out and got a good deli sandwich or something. <laughs> <laughs> as much as uh, you know, great admirers of both these head football coaches think the world of them both, Phil, I like Miami to spring the upset at home to win their fourth in a row, 27-26 over Central Michigan. I think you may differ on this one, but Chuck Martin's got his football team rolling now. I like him at home tight over the favorite Central Michigan chips. Well, there you have it, the Michael Regai, Mac game of the week, calling for the outright upset. Miami over Central Michigan. So there you have what it. About you? Michael Real quick, what about you? What does the computer say? What does the computer tell you? Uh, I don't have the computer numbers in front of me right this second. I'll look them up. I'll okay, tell you what buddy, the computer I, has you know, in a minute. I thought, you, yeah, uh, I thought uh, you said to me that Central Michigan was a slight favorite in this one, correct? Central Michigan is a four-point favorite, yes. Okay. My, com- yeah. my computer, Central Michigan, has it 23-20 Central Michigan. Okay. All right. Right there. We'll, we'll see you again. Chuck Martin, man, is a you know, former uh, longtime Brian Kelly uh, assistant coach in Notre Dame. So we'll see you again. I like Miami. This one in a close one to slight upset over Central Michigan. All right. 646-668-2248. 646-668-2248. You get lined up. We'll take you. We still have got time here on Strong as Steel. Mr. Steele, let's roll into the neck of the woods. Let's get into some uh, Big Ten activity. You already uh, uh, gave us your prognostication on Penn State welcoming in Iowa at home. How about the number two Michigan Wolverines off that uh, at, it went over Michigan State to go to 8-0. Now the Jim Harbaugh's uh, defensive coordinator from last year, D.J. Durkin, is coming in with Maryland. They got into that wild one in Indiana. Does Michigan uh, validate their number three ranking in the CFP and blow up Maryland in the big house? Uh, I got Michigan winning, but I've got some reasons why I like Maryland plus the uh, large number in this game. And uh, the reason is a couple of reasons would be this. First of all, I remember what I said earlier. It seems like when a team gets that huge win, like uh, Michigan had 
78 to nothing against Rutgers that they become a little overpriced because everybody just remembers 78 to nothing. Well, guess what? 0 and 2 against the spread since then, not covering against either Illinois or Michigan State. Now, they're coming off that big game against Michigan State. They've got Iowa on deck. Uh, when you look at Maryland, there's some line value there because four weeks ago they lost at Penn State by 24. Then the week after that, they lost to Minnesota by 21. So the casual fan looks at the scores, says, hey, if they lost to Penn State by 24 and they lost to Minnesota by 21, they're going to lose to Michigan by 40. Well, guess what? In those two games, it was Tyrell Pegram at the quarterback spot. With Perry Hills as the QB, they are 5-1 and one straight up, and their biggest loss was the Indiana last week, which they lost the game by six. They moved the ball well in those two games. They had 270 and 291 yards. With Hills at QB, they average almost 500 yards per game. So they're a completely different team with Hills at the QB spot. Their defense is very poor against the run. That concerns me. Giving up 259 yards per game, rush 5.4, especially against Michigan's rush offense. But that those factors, coupled them with the fact that the teams in the top five of the playoff rankings, 0-5 last year, 5-14, and I think there's a lot of value on Maryland. Durkin knows these players inside and out. He coached them all last year. I'm going to take the 31 points with Maryland in this one. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Phil's got Maryland to stay around in the big house. Phil, Wisconsin. You know, they're one of these teams with two losses that don't, don't put them to bed just yet now. They run the table, but to run the table, they got to go into Evanston, Illinois. We know Pat Fitzgerald has Northwestern playing very, very good football. Almost shocked Ohio State in Columbus last week. Does Wisconsin continue on this role of trying to run the table here? Yeah, Wisconsin's up to about a seven-point favorite in this game. Remember last week when I said I liked Wisconsin over Nebraska, but with their stodgy offense, they don't score a lot of points. I was hesitant to lay over a touchdown in that game. And I'm going to say pretty much the same thing here. I like Wisconsin to win this game. I love their defense. They're holding opponents to 123 yards below their season average. That's the seventh-best mark in the country. Uh, Corey Clement's been coming on with the run game. He's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. They're still alternating quarterbacks, which I'm not a huge fan of. And Houston Mm -hmm. and Hornerbrook last week combined for just 114 yards passing. They only had 337 yards against Nebraska, 159 against Michigan. It's not an offense that's going to blow you away. And Northwestern, I love the way they're playing. I mean, since that loss to Nebraska, when they opened up one and three, people are saying, well, they're not going to make a bowl. They've got to play at Iowa, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, and they're going down the line. They have really turned it around. In fact, the last four games, uh, they have got 136 points scored in those. They're a perfect 4-0 against the spread. They've gone into Iowa and won, Michigan, and in the Ohio State game last week, they had the ball deep in Ohio State territory down by seven and ended up only losing the game by four. They had to kick a field goal after a play there. But they're allowing Clayton Thorson to throw the football. He's got a 15-6 ratio. Austin Carr, one of the more underrated receivers in the country, leading the Big Ten of receiving. Justin Jackson, one of the better running backs. I still think Wisconsin's better team has a much better defense, and that's going to get them to win. But I'm hesitant to lay seven. My computer's got a Wisconsin 20 to 16. I'm going to go with the computer, 20 to 16. 
And I'm going to make it a third. Computer Phil right. and, uh, and and Reggae. I, I, I like that as well. I, I think you might even uh, get an overtime classic here in Evanston on Saturday. Keep an eye on number eight, Wisconsin and Northwestern. Phil, top ten battle. We just mentioned both of them. Nebraska losing to Wisconsin. Ohio State uh, fourth quarter TD to finally uh, get over the top and beat Northwestern. Nebraska comes into Ohio Stadium. Eight o'clock on Saturday night. Everybody's going to be watching. And the Cornhuskers and Mike Riley come in there and at least duplicate what Northwestern did last week. Keep it close. Chance to win fourth quarter. You know, I think they have a shot of that uh, coming in. Uh, now, Tommy Armstrong, if you force him to throw the football 30, 40 times in a game, he's going to give you some turnovers last week against Wisconsin. Two more interceptions, just 12 of 31 passing. So I think that's a possibility exists that if Ohio State shuts down the run, makes Armstrong throw, he could throw some interceptions to that ball-hawking secondary, and all of a sudden Ohio State could start playing like Ohio State again. Now, there's two teams in the country that get, when you put them up in Vegas, you're going to be paying an extra three points or so. First one's Alabama, and you're always going to pay the extra price if you want it back then. The second's Ohio State. This game opened up at 14 quickly rose to 17, may even go higher than that by the end of it. And if you've watched Ohio State the last four weeks, they have not been impressive. We're talking about Indiana, 21-point win, probably should have lost to Wisconsin, did lose to Penn State and get past Northwestern. If they play like they have the last four weeks, yes, Nebraska clearly gets the cover. But uh, my number on the game, to be honest with you, Michael, was Ohio State winning the game by 17. When it opened at 14, I said, oh, I like that. Now it's 17. If it goes above 17, all of a sudden I think Nebraska would give them a game. So I'm going to stick with Ohio State winning that game by 17. All right, we'll stay right there, and you stay right here with us because uh, this is how we roll on Strong as Steel. 646-668-2248. We've got time for you. We've got room for you. Let's go to the great state of Utah with some uh, Pac-12 thoughts as we welcome Jan to the show. How you doing, Jan? Um, good, gentlemen. Um, I'd like to ask uh, Phil. Uh, first of all, I'm a press box uh participator and uh, loving it the last two weeks especially Uh, but uh, I have a question about the USC Oregon game and what Phil thinks about that all right and thank you thank you very much once again Jan for bringing up the press box Uh, appreciate that put a lot of hard work into it and uh, it's awesome when it's going like nine and one the last two weeks but this is a matchup uh, where (laughs) yeah uh, where uh, USC is, uh, I, th- I think when you look at USC, they're one of the better teams in the country. My computer's got them up there in the top 15. And you look how they've played since Sam Darnold has taken over at QB. They beat Arizona State by 21, probably beat Colorado a lot worse than that final score would indicate. Blasted Arizona, blasted California. And now they're playing with some legitimate revenge here. Because let's face it, they've been embarrassed by Oregon the last couple of years. 48-28 to 28 they had it handed to them in 2015. Uh, and they've had some other really tough, big losses to Oregon where they've been on the, the wrong end of an embarrassing loss, and I think they'd like to get a little payback here. And as much as Oregon's offense looked great last week, I mean, 734 yards, Justin Herbert, five touchdowns, that is one banged-up Arizona State team. At the end of the game, they were missing basically 10 of their 22 starters overall on the team. Uh, all the top running backs, top quarterback, everybody, and the defense was 
did completely beat up. That's why the Ducks are moving wild on them. I see a USC defense that's getting better by the week. Remember, they had all four starters on the defensive line gone at the start of the year. They're gaining experience. I love their back seven. The offense is almost unstoppable. And then you look at that Oregon defense. They're giving up 606 yards per game in Pac-12 play. And well, Michael, while they can't stop the run, they're giving up six. Yeah, they're giving up 274 yards per game rushing, 5.9 yards per carry, so they can't stop the run, but they can't stop the pass. They're giving up 70% completions, 332 no. yards. I like USC to score almost every time they have the ball. I'm taking USC. I'm laying the 17 in this one. Appreciate the call, Jan, wow. and the comments. Yeah, it sounds like a big number, Phil, but, I mean, you know, again, you, you, you can't win football games. You're giving up over 600 yards total low. Uh, total uh, total O to your opposition. Just can't. All right. Uh, this is how we do it. We appreciate uh, that to call from uh, Jan with USC and Oregon in mind. Michael Regai with Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Let's keep going, Phil. Let's get back into the uh, the SEC because I really want to get your thoughts on Auburn. Now, you know, the beginning of the year, everybody's a little bit down on Gus Malzahn, the squad, but here they come now, and uh, they're starting to sneak around people and kind of under the radar start to put themselves in position when they get into the Iron Bowl against Saban and Alabama. Now, this week they uh, welcome in Vanderbilt at home. Auburn going to keep rolling this week? You know, I do a, a weekly show in, in Birmingham on WJOX, and a few weeks back they asked me about Auburn, and I made the simple statement. I said, I'm going to ride Auburn until they don't lose a, or until they lose a game. And then they yeah. rolled Mississippi State leading 35 nothing at half. They rolled Arkansas 56-3 to and then beat Mississippi in Oxford 40-29 to last week. And while Vanderbilt's defense playing great, I mean, Vanderbilt held Georgia to 16, Kentucky to 20, Florida to 13, and South Carolina to 13. In fact, in SEC play, they're giving up 16 points per game. That's outstanding. Forget about it here. This is an Auburn team that's just rolling on offense. You look at a guy like Petway, who's just a bust when he takes the ball and is running, and they they got Kerryon Johnson back last week. Sean White doing a good job distributing the offense and throwing the football. And defensively, they actually have one of the better defenses in the entire country this year. Uh, They are holding their foes to uh, a large number below their season average and tough versus both the run and the pass. Great defensive line. I see this as a game where Auburn wins this by over the four. They're laying about 26 in this game, 25. Yeah. I like Auburn minus the points to continue to roll on. And that Iron Bowl is going to be pretty in- interesting this year, Michael. Yeah, it is. Can't wait for that one, uh, as always. All right, Florida, we've talked about them a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people feel that they're going to come out of the SEC East. Got to go to see Brett Bielma in, um, in Fayetteville this week. Florida going to Arkansas. Any trepidation about Florida this week on the road against uh, Bielma's Hogs? Yeah, the only way Florida doesn't go to the SEC title game is if they lose two games. So they do have to play LSU on the road, and this game is the other tricky one. I think if they lose this one, the possibility exists. And I think Arkansas is going to give them a game, yes. Florida's about a Mm -hmm. five-and-a-half-point favor, which I thought was a little light, especially when you look at the fact Arkansas is coming off that 56-3 blowout to Auburn. Uh, but yep. this is an Arkansas team that plays up and down all year. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Well, guess what? Two weeks ago, they beat Ole Miss at home 34-30 to in an upset. Uh, and Brett Bielema usually has his team playing his best ball in the month of November. Last year in November, they were almost spotless. Uh, the previous year, once again, so they play their best ball at the end of the season. They're fresh off a bye, and Florida knows 
you know, they might be playing with a little bit of pressure here. They've got the SEC East in their control. They can't afford to lose this. Now, I love Florida's defense, but their offense is inconsistent. They only had 236 yards against Vandy. They only had 231 yards last week against Georgia. It was their defense that won in the game. I think Arkansas is going to give them everything they want. I, I see Florida winning, but only by a field goal, so I'm taking the home dog here. All right. Uh, let's take a look at Kevin Sumlin and Texas A&M, Phil, because uh, here they are. Now, they, uh, you know, they got that spot. And we hit right that one now, already. Four, yeah. Well, oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. Did somebody call in about that one? Yeah, somebody called in. I was on that so one, engrossed. I was so <laughs> engrossed in what you talked about. All right. Then let me let me move on here. Uh, got another one for you. North Carolina hosting Georgia Tech. Uh, Carolina, you know, uh, thinking about uh, where they can go bowling at. Uh, their offense with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback has had some big games. Can they kind of kind of refine themselves and finish the month of November strong? You know, interestingly, Michael, and I do uh, radio shows in Cleveland and San Francisco, and, of course, both cities ask me every week, uh, who's the top quarterback for the draft? Because they both have their eyes yeah. on that spot. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's right up there right now. He's one of the top three quarterbacks for next year's draft. And you look at his 71%, it's so much better than that because against Virginia Tech in that rain and hurricane-like conditions, only 13-33. to 33. Take that game away, and he's closer to 80% this year with an 18-2 to 2 ratio. So they've got Trubisky. They've got Elijah Hood. They've got Ryan Switzer and Bug Howard. It's a loaded North Carolina offense. And, uh, you know, they're playing the option, but last week they had a bye. It's always nice to have a bye the week before you play the option. Georgia Tech's playing well this year. I uh, haven't really beaten anybody of note. Their wins have been over Boston College, Mercer, Vanderbilt, Georgia Southern, and Duke. They've lost most of the key games this year. So I, I'm going to take North Carolina to win that game, and I like the fact they had the buy to prepare for the option. So I'm taking the, the Tar Heels there. Very good. We'll all keep an eye, again, as you laid out, especially those NFL teams and maybe drafting in the top five with Mitch Trubisky, the uh, Tar Heels QB in mind. Let's check in with our producer, Jim Nabosna, if we wind it, as we wind it up today with you. As we said, we know that uh, you are always uh, heavy with us on Strongest Steel on Twitter. That's the way we like it. Hey, Jimmy, uh, pick a couple of good ones as we put a big bow on this week's edition of Strongest Steel. Sean Stokes wants to take it down to Miami. He says Pitt has played everybody well this year, including Vatek last week. Do you think they pull the upset on a struggling Miami team? All right. Appreciate it, Sean. And, uh, yeah, Miami is clearly struggling. They've lost four in a row, uh, and they're, they're having a tough time just winning games. Now, they, they, a lot of their games that they have been losing, they've had their chances. Remember, they had the big lead against Florida State, missed the extra point at the end. North Carolina was a game they lost by seven. Notre Dame last week, they had a touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, ended up losing by three. So it's a it's a Miami team that's getting a little bit healthier along both the offensive line and the defense. They were all banged up when they played VT a couple weeks ago. And they're at home in a desperation mode. They're now 4-4 four and four after that great 4-0 start that got them in the rankings. Pitt's defense is against the pass. Uh, so far this year, in, they're giving up 312 yards per game passing, almost 60% completions. And uh, I think Brad Kaya, one of the better quarterbacks in the country, will be able to exploit that a little bit. Defensively, Miami's strength is against the run. They can slow you down if you run the football. They're only giving up 3.5 yards per carry. That's what Pitt has to do to be most successful is running the football. So matchup-wise, I like Miami's situation. Home-wise, I like Miami's situation. And because of the fact Miami comes in having lost four in a row, uh, they're only laying three points here. I like Miami of Florida at home to get this one. 
Tommy Touchy, his weekly question, wants to know if Louisiana Tech needs to be worried about North Texas slowing the game down this weekend, knowing that they won't be able to trade scores. Or do the Bulldogs easily cover the 21? Louisiana Tech's offense was ferocious last week. I think I watched the first half of that game. Didn't even really need to watch the first half. Every time Louisiana Tech got the football, they scored a touchdown. Every time Rice got the football, they pretty much went three and out, and it was a blowout. But North Texas is at home for this one, and I like the way North Texas is playing. You know, you look at the job Seth Luttrell's doing. He's got an underrated running back nobody's ever heard of. Jeffrey Wilson's rushed for 767 yards so far this year and six yards a carry. Mason Fine doing a good job at the quarterback spot. Defensively, they're actually only allowing opponents 15 yards above their season average. And surprisingly, this is a team that's 4-4. Four and four. Coming into the year, expectations extremely low on North Texas. Now, their upset over Army a couple of weeks ago came via the turnover, but they did upset Marshall at home. Uh, so they've been able to play with some of the big boys. I personally put Louisiana Tech about a 17-point favorite in this game, and they're up there laying about three touchdowns. So I'm, I'm going to take North Texas as the home dog and appreciate the tweet as always, Tommy Touchy. Got one more for us, Jimmy, to uh, wrap We got a caller there, today. Michael. We got a caller, Michael. There it is. All right. Let's head to Boston, and uh, we will uh, more with the uh, SEC in mind. Let's say hello to Fred as Fred has some thoughts about uh, Missouri and South Carolina for Phil. Hey, Fred, go ahead. Welcome to Strongest Steel. Hey, thank you for having me. I wanted to get your thoughts on the Missouri-South Carolina game. I like Missouri to strike the upset this week. What do you guys think? Okay, appreciate the call there, uh, Fred. And, uh, you know, when I looked at this game two weeks ago, I love Missouri. In fact, Missouri probably would have been the favorite two weeks ago in this game. Their major problem that I have with Missouri coming into this one is the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. You know, coming into the season, they lost Harold Brantley and Walter Brady. Then they recently have lost Michael Shearer, Terry Beckner Jr. Uh, They lost one of their top linebackers last week in the first series of the game. Uh, And so what happened was their defensive front seven is down almost everybody. I think Charles Harris is still there. He's one of the few guys that is left. But they gave up 300 yards rushing to Middle Tennessee, 377 yards rushing to Kentucky. But I like their offense with Drew Locke, and now it's been a couple of weeks that these backups have been able to play at the defensive line spot. Uh, And South Carolina is not an overwhelming offense. In fact, on a year, South Carolina averages 107 yards below what their opponents average. So that's going to give you a little bit of hope if you're Missouri. Uh, South Carolina is laying a touchdown or more in this game. Frankly, I wouldn't lay a touchdown against anybody with South Carolina. They've had, you know, their, their wins this year have come by three, five, six, and three points. I'm going to take Missouri plus the points in that one, and hopefully uh, Barry Odom can get a few defensive linemen out there for this game. Appreciate the call. Yeah, no question about that. Phil just mentioned, uh, well, a few moments ago, of course, uh, you give great opportunities, and not only at philsteel.com, but uh, with uh, so many ways to go, whether it's inside the press box each week. Let everybody know about that as we wrap things up here today, please. Well, I appreciate that, Michael. Now, inside the press box, absolutely on fire, 9-1 and one the last two weeks, hitting 63% on the season. And you not only get 
my forecast on each game, but you get my computer's forecast. And I find it fun when me and the computer disagree because sometimes the computer holds it over me during the course of the season. But you get the projected box score for the computer, yards rushing, yards passing, points. And you'd be amazed if you went in and looked at those games and looked at the yards rushing and the actual box score afterwards. And if it was 25 yards or less off, you circled it. Same thing with passing. Or if it was three points off or less, you circled it. You'd have circles all over your page on your inside the press box. So the computer's very accurate. You get its assessment. You also get my assessment. And then bottom line, when me and the computer agree, that makes it one of the plays that make it there. 9-1 and one the last two weeks, 63% on the season. Head over to SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. That's SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. And, Jim, if you're listening, I'd like to ask you a question. You still get that $20 discount uh, by typing in the uh, code word STEEL there? Yes, sir. When you check out, um, after you pick your package, you check out and enter the promo code STEEL, and it's $20 off any season-long package for the rest of the year. I'm not sure why I allow this Jim to be throwing out $20 discounts, but that's what he does. So, uh, But you could pick up on the Red Hot Steel's Steel's weekly preview for the rest of the year at a, at a great price right now. And, and go ahead and take the $20 off that Jim's just throwing out there willy-nilly right now. Well, you're quite the guy, Phil. Always looking to uh, throw some sweet treats the way of uh, your uh, tremendous, tremendous readership. And uh, keep doing that. I'm sure everybody Michael, will jump Michael, on board. Michael, one thing. We've, yeah. hit, we've hit 29 games today. I want 30. 29. Give, me a game. Give you a game to go 30, huh? Okay. I, or you want well, me just to grab one there? No, 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 no. I got one for you. I got okay. one for you. I'm going to make All it right. work on this one because it's two football teams that uh, have kind of had their seasons go kaput on them. We did everything else in the Big Ten. How about Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State, losers of six straight, going to see Lovey Smith and Illinois in Champaign on Saturday. Not many eyeballs are going to be on that, Phil, but we always know there's people interested. Lay it yeah, on cool. us. Who do you like? Question marks at quarterback. Jeff George Jr. started the last two games for Illinois. Hasn't had great success. I think Westlawn will be back. He was suited up, ready to play last week. They just held him out. I think he'll play this week. Vegas hasn't put a number on it yet, but I'm expecting the number to be about three. Michigan State minus three for the game. And when I look at Michigan State, they are a desperate team. Now, I was impressed with what I saw. 401 yards against Michigan. That's the best any offense has done against Michigan all year. 194 yards above Michigan's average. I like the way L.J. Scott ran the ball. Brian Lewerke's out with a broken leg, but Tyler O'Connor's still around. They could still use Damian Terry in that package. And it's a Michigan State team that I don't think is going to go into a losing season quietly. I think they're going to go into it fighting. I like the Spartans to win that one by a touchdown. And now we have hit a perfect 30 games on this week's podcast. 30, baby. I'll, uh, pop the champagne corks and get all the balloons out, and uh, we hope all of you use all of the uh, the information, evaluations, assessments from both uh, Phil's computer, Phil, yours truly, and Jim Nabosna, and go and have a uh, a fun and uh, very exciting college football weekend, Phil. So next week now, we uh, who knows? We might even see some things shake themselves out a little bit more this week because, as you said, in the last two years after the first college football playoff rankings have come out, there have been some of uh, the highly regarded and rated guys stumble a little bit. So. We'll see if that holds suit. Great job today, Phil, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it uh, next week once again. All right? All right, sounds good. Thank you for everyone that called in and tweeted this week and look forward to talking to you again next week. 
There you go. So now for Phil Steele and our outstanding producer, Jim DeBosna, I'm Michael Regai. Tell all your college football uh, friends about it. Make it a regular part. You can't get ready for a college football weekend without strong as steel as we hope that uh, you've ascertained by now. We do it for an hour, hour plus each and every Wednesday uh, live here at 1 p.m. And, of course, uh, check out iTunes because you're able to get the whole show for your listening pleasure on iTunes as the week rolls on. That's going to do it for us. Again, for Phil Steele and Jim DeBosna, I'm Michael Regai. Have a terrific college football weekend, everybody, and make sure you stay with us on Strong as Steel. So long.